All right, welcome back to another uh, The Sailing Doodles podcast. I'm trying to do more of these now. Hopefully you guys like them. Uh, if you do, please give it a thumbs up or a comment down below, review on whatever app you're watching it from, either audio or visual. Really appreciate it. Uh, so the topic of this podcast is going to be my experience. Oh, let me say uh, cheers to you guys real quick here. <clears throat> uh, the topic of this, exper- of this uh, uh, podcast is going to be my experience in Greece. What did I like uh, about sailing in Greece and, and uh, you know, some of the, the good and the bad, the pros and the cons. I'm going to go over things like, uh, you know, why I chose to cruise in, in Greece and the good and the bad. So here we go. Um, so I just bought a Genoa uh, 37 uh, 2001 uh, in this spring uh, to use in Greece. I paid $65,000 for it. I probably put another uh, maybe seven to ten thousand dollars into it, so I'm into it for about seventy-five thousand dollars. That boat is for sale, by the way. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, I will link uh to the description and the description for that boat. I've got it for sale for seventy-five thousand. What I paid for, I've got into it. I've done a lot of upgrades to it. Uh, it has a four kilowatt generator. It has um. Let's see here. I put all new batteries in it. It has a, a new inverter charger, all new cockpit cushions, new uh, new new mattresses. Uh, the boat is really well set up and really uh, set to sail around the world. I've got a, a new dinghy in it with a six horsepower. Uh, you know, the boat's really set up to go around the world and go wherever you want. Watermaker, all those things. So if you're looking for a nice boat to go cruising in, uh, that could be the one for you. Um, and I'm just trying to get it what I sold for. It. But anyway, so... Uh, the reason I chose Greece um, is because it's relatively inexpensive to cruise. It really is. It's one of the cheapest places to sail in the Mediterranean, that is for sure. And the Mediterranean is uh, beautiful water. It's, I mean, as far as the Greek waters, it's crystal clear. Uh, it's a little chilly until about the end of uh, June, early July. Uh, the water, uh, for me, I, I like uh, warm water. Uh, the, the, the Med is... Uh, you know, probably when I, in August, it was probably, uh, the water temperature was probably 82 or something like that. Uh, and by the end of July, it was probably 78 or so. Uh, I'm doing it in Fahrenheit. If you're, you know, Celsius person, sorry, uh, you can convert it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it sits in the lower 70s as far as uh, early June. So it heats up pretty quick, but it does get cold. So the cruising areas in Greece are really great too. There's so many places to cruise in Greece. I, I don't remember how many islands there are. There's like a thousand islands, or or maybe more than that. I'm not I'm not sure. But you have up in the northwest side of Greece, you have uh, the Ionian Islands. Then you can come down like close to Athens on the west side would be, or you can go actually go on the outside. You go to the Peloponnesian uh, coast, or then come around up and by uh, where Athens west west of that is the Saronic Islands, and of course like the most famous islands would be the Cyclades, and then up on the uh, east side, uh, you know I didn't go over there. I don't remember the name of those island group, but but there's so many like just famous places to go see, and there's so much history and all that. Um, you know, so one one of the great things about, you know, sailing around Greece is there is so much history. And so unlike in the Caribbean, which, you know, has only had a maybe three or four hundred. Well, I mean, I guess really there was people screwing around in the Caribbean in the 1500s. Uh, but uh, well, I guess 1492, right? Christopher Columbus made it to uh, Hispaniola. But, uh, you know, 1500s, 1600s. So that's about the extent of the history of, of uh, the Caribbean. And there's not much left from there. There might be a few ruins of buildings there. But you go to Greece. I mean, like, there's history from 2,000, 3,000 years ago. Uh, up in Santorini, we, I saw a village that was 1700 B.C. You know, so that's what, like uh, 3,700 3, years ago. So it's been a long time. So 
you know, you pull into a little village there and you can go see an amphitheater that was built 2000 years ago, or you can go see some Greek ruins, uh, you know, some temples and all that that are just still fairly well preserved, preserved considering the, the, you know, whereas like if you're down in the Bahamas, I mean, like one beach is just the same as the next beach, right? Uh, I mean, there are some prettier beaches and everything, but there's more history. And I feel like in Greece, uh, there's more to do. Uh, there, obviously there's more people. I think Greece has something like 12 million or 25 million. I'm not sure. I think it's 12 million. Maybe it's 25. I'm not sure. 25 million Greeks. Uh, and so there's a lot more culture going on than some of the Caribbean islands, which are fairly sparsely populated. So you, you pull into a nice bay or a town or a, you know, a village, and there will be a half a dozen restaurants right there on the water. And so, whereas, you know, in the Caribbean, it's, you don't get that as much. Each island might have one restaurant and especially in places like the Bahamas and all that, the restaurants are not very good. The food kind of sucks, uh, in the Bahamas, it's just like fried chicken and fried conch and, you know, rice and peas. And that's basically all you get there. Um, so, you know, and so on that point, you know, sailing in Greece is, is different than that. I mean, in the Bahamas, you're looking for the prettiest beach everywhere you go. Uh, the prettiest water. I mean, the water is beautiful and the beaches are absolutely beautiful. Like the Greek beaches aren't as beautiful as the Bahamian beaches or the Caribbean beaches, but, uh, you know, it's a different kind of cruising. You're not going there for the beaches. You're going there to experience the culture and the dining and the history and all that. So it's a different, like, you know, it's what I love about Greece is that you pull into this little small village and they have a seawall and you, you med more to the seawall and there's a cafe right off the back of your boat. You just step off your, your passerelle onto the dock, onto the seawall and you know, there's a cafe. It's great. I love it. Um, and almost every town does have a town key. Um, so it's just, uh, but so obviously you need to know how to med more. Uh, some of the docks do have what are called sand lines. So they put a mooring block out, um, away from the dock. You back up to the dock, you throw your lines onto the dock, tie off, motor forward, and then you go get the sand line and tie it onto the bow of your boat. That keeps you from going back into the dock. But most places you med more, so you drop your anchor back straight up to the dock, uh, throw some lines on the shore, tie off, and then your anchor keeps you off the dock, and uh, there you go. Uh, I, it's actually fairly easy to do. People, A lot of people are intimidated by it. Um, but after you've done it a couple times, honestly, I think it's easier than docking is traditionally in most places, uh, in most ways, because traditional docking, um, uh, well, uh, it, you know, generally you have some, a tight space you have to fit into and you got to have your fin, you know, whereas your med mooring, you have your fenders out on the side of the boat. And, you know, if you bump up against the next boat next to you as you're coming in, okay. I mean, that's what the fenders are for, right? I mean, obviously try not to, but that's the way it is. But once you get the hang of med mooring, I mean, I was able to do med mooring myself, like single-handed all the time. And, uh, you know, as long as you have, as long as you can control your windlass from the cockpit, which my boat does, by the way, I have a little more control for it. You can do that. And so, you know, the, the Greeks get around by the water, right? I mean, that's, there's so many islands and, uh, there's so few airports they get around by ferries. That's how they get around. And so the ferry system there is quite nice. I mean, like, so I left my boat in Cufanicia, uh, and then took a ferry down to Santorini. And, uh, you know, it was, I don't remember how much it was, not very expensive, 30 bucks, uh, you know, each way. And, uh, you know, that's just how you get around in Greece is the ferry. So the Greeks are water people. So that, that's, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're accommodating to sailors in that way. 
Um, so and you and so you don't anchor out as much in Greece, uh, like in the Bahamas or the Caribbean and all that. You do anchor out ninety percent of the time, probably more like ninety five percent of the time. Number one, because docks are incredibly expensive and there's so few and far between. Whereas basically, like I said before, every little Greek village has its own town key and they do that for number one the fishermen the local fishermen use their town key to base their operations out of plus they want all the tourists to come in because they bring in all the the money for buying the, the, the you know the, the cafes and all the other things to do around there so it, they're very accommodating to cruisers and i'll kind of get into the the cost of all that in a little bit um uh, so, but it is crowded, um, the, the, especially during the summer season. The high season is definitely, it's a little bit slow in May, but June through September is incredibly busy in, in, the, in, in Greece. And uh, these anchorages and these town keys will fill up. Uh, you need to be in the more popular places. You need to be there by 2 or 3 in the afternoon. You're probably not going to get a spot on the town key. Um, and then even a lot of the more pretty uh, bays and all that. So even in the bays, even when there's not a town key, um, there's not a seawall or anything to tie up to, people still med more. So they drop their anchor uh, and then drop back up to the shoreline and they'll either swim ashore or have somebody row ashore with the dinghy a line to tie them on to the shore and the reason they do that is because it is so well there's two reasons um it is so crowded in greece that uh doing that allows you to fit more boats in a smaller space so in a bay where you can only have like a dozen boats at anchor you can probably have 40 boats med moored and another reason is is because uh, the, the, the water there, the anchorages are fairly deep. Uh, so like if you're out there in the middle, if you're trying to drop your anchor in the middle of that bay, it might be 70, 80, hundred feet deep in there. So it's too, too deep for you to drop your anchor. Now then if you're getting close to shore, you drop your anchor, maybe then you're in 20 feet, 30 feet of water, and then you back up to the shoreline. Um, you may not still be able to get, you know, five to one scope so scope right that's how much anchor chain you have out versus the depth right so you generally want a minimum of five to one so if you're in 10 feet of water you need at least 50 feet of chain of anchor out uh and so but if you're med mooring against the you know and there's a steep incline coming to the shore you can get away with having less than that because your anchor is being pulled uphill which you know it digs in more so you can get away and anchoring in, in shallower water or deeper water and you fit more boats in one area and then you just run your lines ashore sometimes you have to swim for it and uh, sometimes it's a little hard to do but uh you know if there's somebody there that can help you out if there's somebody already done that you they can generally help you out and do that and plus you can it's easy to raft up when you're doing that so some of the the, the best things that i think about some of the pros about sailing in greece are it's just cheap so most of the town keys there are eight to ten dollars a night like for a 40-foot boat it's eight to ten dollars a night it's slightly more for a catamaran right maybe you're doing instead of eight it's 16 right they just basically double it because you're taking up it's more about the width than your length they that's what they're you know you're taking up their space so call you know you, you on a catamaran call it 16 dollars a night where are you going to get a marina in the caribbean or bahamas for 16 dollars a night it does not exist most of the you know the, the bahamas is at least two to three probably more like four dollars a foot so if you're in a 40-foot boat you're looking at 160 dollars a night plus they're going to charge you for power might be another 40 50 dollars you know depending on what kind of power you need you have so, you know, it's incredibly cheap for docking. And then the power and water is another. So say on average, if I hooked up 
to shore power and got water at a town key in my with my 37 foot boat in Greece. I was paying 18 to 20 dollars a night. And I mean, you just can't do that anywhere else. Where else are you going to do that? I mean, that, that's just that's one of the, the, the pros about sailing around in Greece. And part of the reason they, I mean, it doesn't really offset. They charge you a, a, a cruising fee in Greece, which is actually a cruising permit, which is actually pretty cheap. I think it's if you're below 18 or 20 meters, I'm not sure the exact number. Um, it's only like $80 a month or maybe less than that. I am i can't remember. If you're over 18 or 20 meters long, then they charge you like $250 a month. But with that, you get that's kind of included in the uh, that's kind of the government tax on 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 using the town keys and all that. So I, I think I paid like uh, maybe it was even less than that. I don't I don't remember, but it was like a hundred euros, maybe a, a couple hundred euros for the three month cruising permit I got in Greece. Uh, so that was nice. It's really cheap. Uh, it's also cheap insurance. So like when I got that boat insured, I, I forget what it was, but it was only like seven hundred dollars for the year for you know uh, for for a seventy five thousand dollar boat. It was pretty cheap. For, for insurance. And uh, again, on the un- inexpensive things is the food, right? So the Greek food, I mean, number one is fantastic. I mean, you know, you get your uh, tzatziki and you, they have a lot of like baked cheeses and a lot of calamari and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, your, your gyros and stuff like that. And, and your fried meat or grilled meats. They have a lot of that stuff. It's, it's fantastic food. A lot of, you know, uh, olive oil stuff. Um, and that is very cheap. I mean, on average with one, okay. And the wine is so cheap too. You get a carafe, like a, a liter of wine, a liter of wine is like maybe 10 or 12 euros. And it's not bad wine. It's just the house wine, right? It's coming out of a keg. It's the local house, but it's still not bad. Right. Uh, and so then what I would say is like for a nice dinner out, uh, at a cafe in one of these little villages with all the wine, all the food you want is about 20, 20 euros a person. So 20, $25 a person. And that's if you're drinking wine and all that, you can easily do it for like eight or 10 if you're not drinking wine. And all that. It, it's great. So it's so cheap. Um, and all these, you know, towns just have, like I said earlier, have, each thing has a unique uh, draw to it. Some of them have a lot of history. Some of them have ruins. Some of them are just beautiful, uh, you know, with, with the color. And they're just some of the, the, the beautiful, like our architecture of, of the towns themselves. I kind of get into that, some of that in, in a minute. Um, but, uh, you know, and then the water, like I said earlier, the water is crystal clear in most places. Uh, and it, it is beautiful. Um, and you just, although it is a little cold, but, uh, you know, you get, you know, it, it, there's give and takes on each one. All right. Some of the cons, like I said earlier, it does get very busy. Um, and then we were just talking about food. Uh, that, okay, that's a, both a pro and a con. The, the food is amazing and it tastes great, but it's all the same food. Like, if you're in these little towns, it's all Greek food. You, there's, you're not, I mean, you, you pull into a little town of, you know, a couple hundred people, or maybe even a couple thousand people, you're not going to get Mexican food, you're not going to get uh, Chinese food, you're not going to get, you know, you're not going to get Indian food, you're not going to get any of that. You're going to get Greek food, and that's all they offer. Every restaurant seems to have the same thing. Now, you can find Italian food there, I will say, but it's still got a Greek influence on it. So it's basically mostly it's ninety percent Greek food, ten percent Italian, and then if you if you want like anything different, you have to be in a big city. Like go to Athens or uh, you know one of the other uh, big cities. I can't can't think of no one offhand, but you can get different types of food there. But still, I mean, those restaurants are still few and far between. 
Um, and another downside to cruising in the Med, especially for non-Europeans, well, for non-Europeans, this includes the British now, sorry guys, uh, is they have a 90-day limit in the Schengen zone. So that's why I had to leave Greece is because you're allowed 90 out of 100 days inside the Schengen. The Schengen, the Schengen jo- zone is most of the EU, uh, including a few non, I believe some of the EU countries are not in it, some are uh but it's a it's a bas- passport free zone basically so you go you can go between countries without having a clear immigration right but the thing is is that for Americans and most other nationalities if you're going to go into the Schengen zone so into the EU for those certain areas that are in that Schengen zone um you're only allowed 90 days out of 180 so it's it's not like 90 days leave for 2 days come back and you get more 90 days no it's 90 days out so they they count back from wherever you are. You count back 180 days. You need to be of, in the EU less than 90 days. So it's it's not as simple as just leaving and coming back. You can't do that. So that is a downside. I had to leave, right? And another downside is is the language. Um, it is. I mean, I learned a little bit. I mean, you know, if you can just. Uh, Learn the pleasantries, you know, like Fkaristo. That's like Fkaristo. Sorry, that's uh, you know, thank you, Sivnomi. Uh, excuse me. Um, you know, things like that. If you learn the pleasantries, most Greeks, especially in any kind of service industry where you're going to uh, come across them, they speak English uh, and they're very helpful. And but as long as you say the pleasantries and you try a little bit, you know, that helps. So some of the cruising areas. Um, you know, so my boat right now is in um, the uh, Ionian Islands. It's up by Lef- It's up in Lefkas at the marina there. Uh, I may go back in November to check it out to make sure everything's doing okay. I've got somebody looking after it, and I'm having a few things like worked on all the little things. You know, just little, little stuff that you know maintenance issues that need to be taken care of. Um, so the Ionian Islands is great. Uh, Lefkas is the main like boat hub there where all the uh the charter boats and and a lot of boats are based uh and there are a bunch of islands in there that are really nice to cruise and the weather is great there it's actually uh there's not much wind in the morning um it, it it's it's kind of you know daily the wind is pretty calm in the mornings about one or two in the afternoon it picks up and then it dies off around sunset or a little before um, so for sa- pure sailing, it's not great for the morning. Um, it's better in the afternoon, but then, you know, if you're sailing in the afternoon somewhere, you're maybe less likely to get a spot on the dock. So there's the caveats with that is that, you know, it just, uh, but in general, the winds are more benign. The weather's better. Um, you do get some thunderstorms up there, but it's not too bad. Coming south from there along the Peloponnesian Islands, uh, there's not a whole lot there. It's kind of sparsely, and there's not a whole lot of islands on there. So I actually skipped that. I went through the Corinth Canal. So I went through the uh, um, Gulf of Petras, through the Corinth Canal, which is about, I don't know, it's like five or six miles long, a, a canal they cut through the land, and then into the Saronic um, Islands, which, again, so, so the Saronic Islands are a really great place to cruise as well, and they're really convenient to Athens. So if you're going to charter out of the Saronic Islands, you generally um, go to Athens and pick up a boat there, and there's a bunch of islands to choose from there, and there's, uh, you know, dozens of them. You can head down south a little towards uh, the, the the Peloponnesian Islands and Hydra and all those places, and it's really convenient for those people just doing, like, a week-long charter. You fly into Athens, you get in a cab, go straight to your boat, and there you go. Whereas, like, if you're going to the Ionian 
Caribbean islands or what I'll get to next, which would be the Cyclades, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, you can't really do it. I mean, I guess you, if you do a longer charter out of Athens, like a two-week charter, which I have done, you can go down to the Cyclades and check it all out. But it's a little far to go if you're starting out of Athens, in my opinion. I mean, there's you can hit the northern Cyclades pretty easy, but you're not going to get to the more southern places, which I'll talk about in a minute. So to speak about the Cyclades, so the Cyclades is probably the most famous um, and popular place to go uh those have all the uh you know uh, notorious islands like santorini and mykonos and uh you know um crete all those places uh the downside to the cyclades is that they are a little bit further apart most of those islands are 20 miles 25 miles apart so you're looking you know if you're going to sail from one to the other you're going to take four or five hours every time you go sail uh and uh, they have what's called the Meltimi, which is uh, their um, kind of their trade winds. And it, it, it's a north wind, a very strong north wind. It can be 30 to 40 to 50 knots or more and sustained for like a week. And so it kind of sucks. Like if you were to charter and you were to say you want to go down to Mykonos and all these places... Well, you charter and then all of a sudden, you know, it's blowing 40 knots and you, you're, you sail down to Mykonos and then, you know, you got to be back in Athens or wherever you got the boat from in three days and then it's blowing 40 knots for a week straight. I mean, you got to get the boat back, right? So it's just kind of miserable conditions. I have been in there and sailed the Meltimi plenty of times and actually it's not too terrible, especially if you're going downwind because the seas never really have a chance to get big. There's not enough fetch, right? There's not enough... Uh, space between islands um for the seas to get really big um so you know you're not going to get you know you may be in 40 knots of wind but the seas aren't going to be as bad as they would be like in the open ocean for 40 knots of breeze um but and the so the cyclades i mean while beautiful there is a lot of history there you get places like delos right which is uh, the the central like uh hub of greece back in the day when they were you know in the 400 or what you know, three or 400 BC, uh, when they were the most powerful, um, that was their central base of operation. That's kind of like the, the central government and the most, uh, uh, you can probably Google it and figure it out better than I can, but it is all the ruins are still there. It's a beautiful place. And then Mykonos and all that, but they're very expensive. Uh, Mykonos is, you know, when I said earlier, you know, you're spending 20, 20 euros a person for dinner. Uh, no, in Mykonos, it's more like a hundred euros a person. So, uh, you know, the, the Cyclades Islands are definitely much more expensive, although they are the more iconic. I mean, like the uh, ar architecture there, like in Mykonos is beautiful. Every house is painted white with the bright, bright Greek blue uh, trim and the streets are painted white. And, you know, it's just absolutely beautiful. And then you go down to Santorini, which is, you know, the, the big volcanic island. There's so much history there and it's beautiful. Um, I, and But you can you can charter out of um, there are places you can charter boats out of down the Cyclades, like out of Noxos or Paros. I believe you can charter a boat out of there. Maybe even out of Mykonos, probably more like day charter boats there. But there are a few places where you can charter boats down there. Um, and so you're not having to go all the way from Athens to get down there. Because like from Athens to Mykonos is more than 100 miles. It's probably like 150 miles. And so, you know, if you're doing a week-long charter, that'd be the long way to go. That means you're doing... 30, you know, you're doing 40 miles at 30 miles a day just to get there. And then you got to turn around and go back. So that's why I say, you know, if you're doing a week long charter, it's probably not ideal to do the Cyclades. Um, 
So, and, but that, another thing though, is that that's why a lot of people charter in Greece. Now, not only did I mention, um, you know, the food is cheap and the dock is cheap and all that, but to charter the boats themselves is relatively cheap. Now, if you do a brand new boat, like say with Navigar, I'm actually wearing one of their shirts right now, Navigar Yachting, you get a brand new boat, uh, a catamaran, you get a brand new uh, cat. Uh, I, I don't specifically know numbers, but somewhere between eight and $10,000 you get a for a week, you get, you know, like a 40, 45 foot catamaran. Um, maybe it's less than that. I'm not even sure on the shoulder seasons, but you know, for four couples splitting a cat, that's not too bad. That's, you know, less than $2,000 per couple. And then your food and alcohol is going to be relatively inexpensive. You can get a monohull for considerably cheaper than that. Um, probably less than half that cost. Uh, now then, those are for the new boats. If you don't mind getting an older boat, you want to charter a 20-year-old boat, you can get one of those for like two grand a week um, for a monohull anyway. Um so that's kind of the nice thing about Greece is that you can charter the older boats if you want to, um, whereas most of the other charter locations like in the Bahamas and the Caribbean and all that, it's, the charter boats are kind of pretty much limited to the newer boats, like boats less than six, seven years old. Um, so, you know, Greece is on one of my top places to go sail. I really loved uh, my experience there, spending my 90 days. I wish it was longer, but... You know, that's that darn Schengen zone. Uh, so, I mean, there there's kind of some maybe some ways around the Schengen stuff if you sign on as crew type thing. But I'm not going to get into that. I don't know all the details and I'm no uh, expert on it. So, but anyway, so guys, uh, I'm going to wrap this one up. So thank you guys for uh, please like and subscribe to the Sailing Doodles podcast. It really helps out if you'd like to see more content like this or listen to more content. Remember, you can also, I have a probably 50 or 60 of these podcasts already up. You, you know, you listen to it in your car, uh, just on Spotify. It's on all the other stuff if you want, uh, you know, to get your podcast. I really appreciate it. And, you know, one, another thing is that uh, a lot of my videos have been getting demonetized on YouTube lately. I've had two in the last month that have been demonetized. And that really hurts because one of those videos has over a million views. And the other one got demonetized at about 100,000 views. And now it's up to a couple hundred thousand. Um, so like, I don't earn any money on those videos and it really, it really hurts. So if you, if you are enjoying the content and you would feel like it's worth it, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash sailing doodles and give a couple bucks a, a month or whatever you want to do there. And it really helps me out and it helps out you know, to keep the content going. So thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. And I will see you on the next podcast or you'll hear me there.